Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley. Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Thanks for joining me for today's show. The topic today is tireology, that intriguing but mystifying science about what happens where the rubber meets the road. Do you have the right tires for your vehicle? Do you need new tires but don't know what to buy? Have a tire-related problem? We will address those and other questions today with John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack, the online store that sells about 20 different brands of tires, conducts its own tire tests, and provides extensive information about tires and wheels on its website, TireRack.com. Before we start laying rubber, here is this week's auto news you might be able to use. Wish you could buy a new car without going into a dealership? You can. General Motors says it will go national by the end of this year with a program that lets customers buy a GM vehicle online from start to finish through a dealership website. Called Shop, Click, Drive, it started last year as a pilot program in a handful of states. GM says it will soon be available to all 4,300 GM dealers around the U.S., It is voluntary, so dealers don't have to join the program. Here is how it works. Shoppers can go to a dealership website and choose a vehicle from the online inventory where prices are posted. They can get an online estimate of the trade-in value of their current vehicle, fill out a credit application, choose accessories and extended warranty coverage, and schedule delivery of their vehicle either at the dealership or at a location of their choice. All of that, GM says, can be done online through Shop, Click, Drive. Shoppers also can start the process online and then go to a dealership for a test drive or to close the transaction. Toyota has cut prices on the 2014 Prius plug-in hybrid by $2,010 on the base model and $4,620 on the more expensive version. The starting price of the Prius plug-in is now $29,990 for a base model and $34,905 for the advanced model. The price reduction on the advanced is nearly 12%. The Prius plug-in differs from regular Prius hybrids because it can travel about 11 miles in an electric-only mode. It has an additional battery that has to be recharged by plugging into an outlet for the electric-only mode to work. Regular Prius hybrids operate only briefly by electric power and don't require plug-in recharging. Toyota's move follows recent price cuts of $5,000 on the Chevrolet Volt, Volt, excuse me, which goes about 38 miles on electricity, and $4,000 on the Ford Focus Electric, which operates entirely on battery power. Cars that drive themselves will probably be available in the next 10 years, sooner if all the legal issues can be resolved. So it figures that automakers would also develop cars that park themselves, even if the driver isn't behind the wheel. Ford Ford Motor Company demonstrated such a vehicle yesterday in Belgium, where it is experimenting with technology that lets a driver just push a dashboard button or use remote control from outside the car, and the vehicle finds a parking space and parks itself. Currently, Ford and other automakers offer parking assist features that take over the steering but require the driver to slow and stop the vehicle. These parking assist features work only for parallel parking spaces that are on the driver's right. The system Ford showed in Belgium does it all. It can scope out any available space and control the steering, acceleration, and braking. Mercedes-Benz, Audi, and others have shown similar systems. Ford says it has no present plans to offer the feature here or elsewhere, but stay tuned. The make-believe world of the Jetsons may be closer than you think. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. 
My guests today are John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack, an online store for tires, wheels, suspension components, and other parts and accessories. The company is based in South Bend, Indiana. Their website, TireRack.com, provides extensive information about tires, including results of their own tire tests, surveys of tire owners, and a comprehensive technical section. John Rastetter has been the Director of Tire Information Services there for 19 years, and Woody Rogers is a Tire Information Specialist who has been with the Tire Rack for 14 years. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you, Rick. Glad to have the opportunity. Thank you for being here. John, can you can you give us a brief history of the tire rack, how it started, and what the company does today? Tire rack began in the late seventies uh, as a uh, small uh, retail tire dealer, and discovered how difficult it was for a lot of drivers to find unique tires for sports cars and high end luxury vehicles. So they decided that in order to better serve their customers, they needed to resource these tires. And uh, since it began in Indianapolis, uh, you think of a town that size as not having a good source. There was also the inspiration that there must be a lot of other places in America that don't have the uh, uh, quality of uh, selection and service available. So they moved it to South Bend, Indiana, uh, and have grown by uh, serving enthusiasts, uh, driving enthusiasts, uh, and just everyday drivers. So the um, uh, start was actually with just a retail tire store. That's correct. And Um, and I take it it's limited, you know, where an individual store and what they can carry in the way of uh, a selection of tires. Well, I mean, you know, in the early days, even though there were problems gaining a wide variety, there were only 150 different tire sizes. Uh, today, uh, in 2013, we now have well over 300 different tire sizes. You know, and, and there's, there's said to be around 24, 25,000 different tires <laughs> that exist in the U.S. Uh, uh, marketplace. Wow. Uh, when it comes to replacement tires, uh, most people, I think, go in thinking, well, I, right now, for example, I have a car with 215, 50, 17 uh, inch uh, tires with a speed rating of V and a, and a load index of 93. Do I have to get the same thing or what flexibility would I have as far as size, type of tire, speed rating, things like that? Well, I think in, in many cases, you know, certainly maintaining the original size is one of the elements that helps assure you of uh, properly fitting the car. You know, as you were talking about in the news, cars get more and more technologically involved, and they're relying on information to be from uh, the original size tires. Uh, when it comes to the load capacity, that's the tire's most important job. The replacement tires have to be equal or greater load capacity or be, or be in excess of what the vehicle's gross axle weights require. Speed rating, I guess, I, uh, we find a little more optional uh, because drivers have different needs, different desires. Um, you know, for the last 20 years, uh, you know, it's been commonplace for winter tires to have a lower speed rating than the tires used the rest of the year. So, you know, the matching the speed rating, which began in Europe so that the tires matched the top speed of the cars when they were driving on the German Autobahn or the Italian Autostrada, you know, there was a real need to match because driving at the vehicle's top speed was commonplace and legal. Uh, certainly in the U.S. it doesn't have that same bearing. If a driver wants to maintain all the original capabilities, matching the size, load index, and speed rating is the best method of doing it. But at the same time, they may find that they're desiring a tire, uh, like a winter tire, that uh, doesn't have that exact match for the speed rating, but does match the size and the load capability. Woody Rogers, if 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 my car came with B-rated tires, then I mean, does this mean that I really don't have to stick with B-rated when I replace them? 
Well, as, as John was saying there, not necessarily. You know, a speed rating isn't a performance rating, but when your vehicle was engineered by the manufacturer, they tuned its ride and particularly its handling around the OEM tire, which had a given speed rating. When you change the speed rating of the tire, usually there are other characteristics that tend to, to slide on the scale, so to speak, along with the change in speed rating. And that can have some direct impact in the way the car just drives every day. I mean, you know, V is equal to 100, up to 149 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty certain that you don't drive that fast on a daily basis. Um, as, and as John was pointing out, you know, the, uh, on the roads in the U.S., as opposed to Europe, where you have some roads of unlimited speed capability, you, know, you just can't go that fast legally, nor is there any real need to in our, in our driving environment here in North America. But uh, I'm, I'm seeing is that I, I drive a lot of different uh, uh, vehicles supplied by auto manufacturers, and many of them, including family cars, have uh, V-rated tires. For example, you can get a, a Toyota Prius with uh, with V-rated tires. How about a Cruze, a Chevrolet Cruze LTZ, with its yep. mighty mighty 1.4 liter engine? W-rated tires up to 168 Correct. miles per hour. Exactly. Okay. So, so there's there's a there's a bit of a reality check uh, in, in that sense. You know, what it comes with may not be how you use it. And as John was saying, you know, there may be when it comes time to replace your original tires, the the owner of the vehicle may have uh, a, a criteria set that is a little different than the the average or general set that was outlined by the vehicle manufacturer when they designed and specified the vehicle. So if you want something different, then, you know, there's there's the, 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 the practical room to move when it comes to something like the speed rating. You know, low capacity, as John pointed out, is, is kind of the first job of the tire, so you've got to maintain that. Excuse me, that's, that's the number before the speed rating, right? If you're looking at a tire with, with the service description, as you pointed out, the 93V in your right. example, that's, that's correct. The number is simply a, a simple way to, to judge does the tire that I'm considering have a higher capacity or a lower capacity than the one that my car came with. And 94 has more load than a tire with a 93 load index in the simplest sense. 92 is less than what your car came with. Um, So it scales accordingly. But the the letter at the end then indicates the, in laboratory conditions anyway, the the maximum speed uh, that the tire has been certified to be able to to take to handle. Okay. What what would I lose, John, if I drop, say, from a V-rated tire to an H-rated tire? What would I notice? Well, I, I think the before we hit that one, there's really one other aspect to, to look at, because in addition to the ratings and the sizes that you've discussed, Rick, there's also different types of tires. You have performance tires, you have touring tires, you have standard passenger tires, you have winter tires. And even though these tires may be available in multiple speed ratings, their level of performance changes, their level of traction responsiveness will change depending on your driving conditions or, in in some cases, the type of car you have. You could have standard speed ratings, high speed ratings, or very high speed ratings on any of those tires, but even with that, they're still going to handle differently. If you were to take a tire that, uh, in your example, the, the V-speed rated, and go to an H, depending on the tire you selected, you may sacrifice just a little bit of responsiveness, but as far as your daily driving, you wouldn't notice a difference at all. The other thing I think that we find is some of the very high-speed rated tires tend to be a little quicker wearing than some of the lower speed rated that are longer lasting or designed to provide uh, more fuel efficiency by delivering lower rolling resistance. So sometimes if a driver has priorities of knowing they're going to go for lots of over-the-road miles or they want to be as ecologically friendly as possible by having a tire with low rolling resistance, there may be other priorities that come into their specific driving requirements that really weren't the same requirements from the vehicle manufacturer. I think the other thing is some of the vehicle manufacturers, as you mentioned, with the Prius and the Cruze and, gosh, my wife's Accord and and things of this nature, there certainly are speed ratings that are used that provide 
a lot of high speed durability and and heat resistance along the way but certainly uh you know very few Americans ever get to the century mark uh driving their car on the road or even in a track or uh competition environment all right we have to uh, pause here for a short break but uh when we come back we'll continue our discussion of the art and science of choosing the right tires for your vehicle. Stay with us. Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Here's Rick Hopley. Welcome back, everyone. My guests today are John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of Tire Rack, an online store for tires, wheels, suspension uh, components, and other parts and accessories. If you have a question about tires or wheels, the phone lines are open. You can join the conversation by calling 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Before the break, we were talking about speed ratings, and um, it seems that in at least in the passenger car part of the market, and I'm talking Honda Accord, Toyota Camry, Toyota Avalon-type cars, is that V-rated tires have almost become the norm, and that it's harder to find cars that have H-rated tires. Is that the case you see? We've certainly seen it uh, grow over the past years. Um, today, probably the H rating is still the most common used as original equipment, but certainly there are a lot of models that have moved on to the V-rated tire as well. Okay, and, and I've also noticed that, in, at least in some cases, that H-rated tires are more expensive than similar V-rated tires. Well, I guess if you're looking at a specific tire model or tire line, you'll find the V-rated tires tend to cost a little more. But certainly when you take a look at uh, differences between some of the uh, larger brands or premium products and some of the uh, smaller, less well-known brands, they can overlap easily. Okay. A a, a couple of years ago, I had to replace one of my tires, one of those... uh 17-inch tires. It was a Michelin, and it was over $200. And then I looked recently, and it's about $175 or less. Have tires gotten cheaper? Well, I'm not so sure if the tires have gotten cheaper, because I think the technology and quality of them has improved. But certainly the competitive situation in North America uh, and the manufacturers wanting to try and maintain their share of the market has made the pricing more competitive. Uh, Product quality has gone up, but prices have come down. Hmm. Boy, that's good to hear. Uh, what do you, what are some of the things that you hear from owners, vehicle owners who are calling about tires that they want to do that the tire rack might discourage them from doing? Such as, I don't know, maybe going to a, uh, uh, Y-rated tire on a, uh, Corolla or something like that? Well, you know, appropriately applied, I guess I've, I've never seen a case where they're, you know, putting too much of a tire on a car is a bad thing. If the attributes of that tire are what the customer is looking for, you know, putting a high-speed rated performance tire on a on a pretty, I'll say, pedestrian or mainstream car, you know, might be overkill for a lot of people. But for a person looking for a certain set of characteristics, it's uh, it, it, it's the right thing. I, today at lunch, I was out on the road and and a Ford Fusion Hybrid drove by that had a very low-profile, wide aftermarket tire and wheel package on it. So you see this this relatively eco-friendly mid-size sedan with. W-rated performance tires on it. Those two things kind of don't go hand-in-hand normally. Right. But for that customer, the look of the package and the performance that those tires give was exactly what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the, the, the number one thing that we see is uh, people trying to use uh, an alternate tire size that may not have sufficient load capacity. They don't realize that something that's a little lower in overall diameter, smaller aspect ratio, also gives up load capacity. We see people putting just the, the wrong size, uh, you know, on the vehicle or trying to, that just isn't going to do the job. Job number one, which is John said, is, is carry that load. Mm-hmm. If, if I have, for example, 
uh, tires with a, a section width of uh, 215 millimeters. Can I go to 205? Well, if, if nothing else changes, uh, probably not. As you narrow up the tire, uh, if the aspect ratio, which is the second part of the tire size, in your example, it's 50. Mm-hmm. So dimensionally, the, the, the height of the tire from the rim to the tread area is 50% of its width. So it's 50% of 215. And, and people smarter than me could do that math in their head, but I mean, not so much. If you went to a 205 section with tire that was still a 50 series, mm-hmm. it's getting narrower by 10 millimeters, but it's still 50% of a smaller number. So it's shorter as well, those two things combined reduce the effective air space or air chamber size inside the tire. And, you know, the tire, people think the tire carries the weight of the vehicle. It simply is a container for the air. The air is what's doing the work. Uh-huh. If you don't have enough air in your tire, you have a flat tire. It's not carrying any weight at all. Uh, I guess the rim is carrying the weight at that point. Um, but when it's, if you have enough air inside the tire with proper inflation and in the proper size tire, the air at the right inflation pressure is what's really doing the work, supporting the weight of the vehicle and cushioning the ride for the passengers. So if I went to a narrower tire, it effectively reduces the amount of cushion. Uh, correct. Uh, hmm. You know, after uh, after reducing the low capacity. Now, depending on the, the dimensional mass, if you go narrower, you may be able to go taller and maintain appropriate diameter and maybe retain appropriate load capacity. But to do that, you may also have to make the, the wheel smaller. So you, you know, instead of being wide and, and relatively short profile, your your narrower but taller profile, the, again, that air chamber, the cross-section, if you will, of the tire's width and height um, times its its circumference is what gives you the, the air capacity, the, the volume, the cubic volume inside the tire. If I were to buy a uh, a family type vehicle and with ordinary tires, say an S or T rating, uh, mm-hmm. and then I switch to a W, would I just transform the, my car into a uh, something that handles like a slot car? Well, uh, back to my earlier statement, a speed rating is not a performance rating, you know, from the the handling aspect. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, as you move beyond V into W or Y speed rated tires, which fall under the, the umbrella Z category, things above 149 miles an hour. Typically, that is is applied. The speed capability is is built into tires, which have more handling and traction performance built into them as the primary objective. That usually trades off some tread life. It probably will trade off some ride quality to mm-hmm. go along with that. But man, oh man, it'll drive more like the slot car, up to the limitations of the vehicle. You know, you, a car with a very soft suspension and a really, really sticky high-grip tire, if you really were to drive it, you know, on the racetrack, it may actually be a little bit unsettled because there's <laughs> so much grip, and the chassis just can't cope with all the traction it has. But that's at the fringe of things. Certainly, you could change, you would change the personality of a kind of an average car that comes with an SRT speed-rated tire by putting on a performance-focused W-rated tire. It would change the way it drives every day. Everyone in the, the house would feel that for sure. <laughs> John, you mentioned uh, uh, low rolling resistance uh, tires early. Can you explain uh, what those are and whether they sacrifice uh, grip for fuel economy? Well, low rolling resistance tires are tires that by design roll easier. Um, when you think about a tire, you normally think about it being round. But one of the realities is is that the tire deflects, it bulges where it comes in contact with the gro- road, which means that every time the tire rolls uh, about 800 times a mile, it's constantly going from a round to a, a flat uh, tread. And in doing this, it takes energy. Um, just the same thing as if you're trying to push your car down the road, the tires are resisting the rolling. Now, the manufacturers are developing newer and newer technologies, newer and newer compounds that help the tire be lighter weight, be uh, more flexible, be less resistant to rolling. And this can have an influence on fuel economy. Uh, and the lower rolling resistance will help you. Several years ago, we did a test using the uh, Toyota Prius cars, using a variety of tires from those designed to be very low rolling resistant and fuel efficient to those that were simply designed for long mileage. And as we did this test, we recorded uh, the fuel economy, um, and then as we had completed that portion of it, we also did track tests of braking and cornering capability. And certainly what we're finding is 
newer technologies are providing the tire manufacturers tools to work with that don't cause as much compromise as earlier tires. And that the difference could be, you know, uh, on, a, on the range of 7 8% of improved fuel economy uh, on a tire that's designed for that. Well, you, you think about an improvement of uh, putting back in your pocket 7 or 8% of what you spend on gas a year. Well, that can give you a, a pretty full wallet. Hmm. Uh, I often see in consumer reviews of tires that uh, complaints that when they put the new tires on their vehicle, their fuel economy went down. That should be expected? It should be. And I guess if you look at it, it's really from two perspectives. One is the tread rubber that's used is going to have some squirm to it. So when you have a brand new tire, it's full treaded as deep as it's ever going to be. By the time that tire wears out, it's going to be very shallow treaded. So much of the squirm is gone. And there have been estimates that tire rolling resistance can drop by as much as 20% over the life of the tire. The other thing is that when you have a brand new tire, it weighs several pounds more than a fully worn out tire. That trud rubber that you wear away over thousands of miles slowly, we don't realize the change. But yet when you go to a brand new tire, you're going to a tire that's typically a couple pounds heavier. Well, the extra weight requires a little more energy when you start and when you stop. Uh, and the reduce or the extra squirm in the new tread design is uh, going to create a little more rolling resistance. At the same time, if you, you know, if you run a ball tire the first time it rains, you may be slipping off the road rather than <laughs> rolling down it. Years ago, I experienced that one. Uh, what, what, what would you say a 17-inch uh, tire is likely to weigh, roughly? Probably in the 23-pound range. Okay. And you actually lose a couple of pounds over, say, 40,000, 50,000 miles? That would be correct. Wow. Uh, certainly, you know, you, you don't think about, you know, the tread only looks to be a quarter-inch deep, mm -hmm. but a quarter-inch deep by mm -hmm. seven inches wide by, you know, the, the diameter of the tire, and it's uh, enough to make a difference. Okay. We have to take another break here, and when we come back, I'd like to talk about uh, performance tires and run flats. All right? Absolutely. We, we will continue our discussion on choosing tires for your vehicle and driving style with John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking today about tires, the only part of your vehicle that is supposed to touch the road, and we hope that always is the case. My guests are Woody Rogers and John Rastetter of the Tire Rack, an online store for tires, wheels, and other automotive parts and accessories. Their website, TireRack.com, has extensive information about tires, wheels, and other components that can help you make more informed decisions about what you buy. If you have a question or comment for Woody or John, the phone lines are open. Call us at 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. Woody, uh, there is a whole category of um, uh, tires called summer performance tires, I believe is the uh, or ultra performance tires. That Can you explain how those tires are different from, say, all-season performance tires, and where would they be appropriate? Well, the uh, you know, a, a summer performance tire uh, versus an all-season tire, really it's three seasons in most parts of the country versus four. The summer tire, summer any type of summer tire, and there are also summer-only touring-type tires, which are focused on comfort, versus more sporty handling and, and ultimate traction with the performance, ultra-performance group. The ultra-performance summer tires just aren't meant for winter weather, and that being near and below freezing and driving in snow slush on the ice. The compounds and the tread patterns, 
just aren't aren't designed to to work in that environment. Excuse really, me, what, what, even even in uh, when it's not snowing or raining, but it's say you know, below freezing. Well, the, the the compounds, you know, it varies, of course, from tire to tire and brand to brand what they've what they've put into the tire. But at some point, the rubber can become fairly rigid and mm-hmm. it loses traction. And in extreme conditions or with the extreme end of the performance spectrum, they become pretty fat, fragile and actually uh, reach the glass transition point where it goes from flexible rubber to more plastic-like, kind of like freezing a, a candy bar. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you slam that frozen candy bar on the countertop, and what does it do? It shatters or cracks. And uh, the rubber, these some tires can, can go through that same kind of transition in the extremes. Uh, what type of uh, cars would you say that you know the uh, the ultimate summer performance tires would be appropriate? Well, they're they're very. There's two aspects to that. They're they're very common on performance cars. Uh, you know, certainly the, the Porsches and the high-end BMWs and and exotics of the world come from the factory with that type of tire. Um, a lot of unsuspecting luxury performance car buyers end up with a vehicle that has performance summer tires on it, regardless mm. of what part of the country they live in. So a high-end Lexus, a high-end BMW, a high-end uh, Audi often is coming on a three-season or summer-type tire, which really will require the change to um, uh, an all-season or ideally a winter tire if they live in the snow belt somewhere and have to drive in, in, in snow and slush and on the ice. The, the second component to it, though, is who is it for? You know, many people assume that, well, they, I drive in the rain, therefore, to get the best traction in, in wet conditions, I need an all-season tire. Well, wet isn't a season. It's a condition <laughs> of the day. And the, the typical performance summer tire, because it's focused to only have to deal with dry and wet weather, as opposed to... I'll say compromised to be the jack of all trades to have to deal with dry, wet, mm-hmm. and snow and ice winter weather. It is more optimized to provide better traction in the wet as well as in the dry than even you know, an average summer tire will outperform, will stop better, corner better in the wet than the very best all-season tire can. Well, that's interesting. Yep. It's a, it's a bit of a, a paradigm shift for a lot of people, but again, the, the root thought process is, you know, don't think of wet as a season. Okay. It simply is a condition of the weather you happen to be driving in. All right. Uh, run-flat tires are, are common on some luxury brands. I know BMW uses uh, run-flats on uh, most of its models, if not all now. And yep, I think almost Mer- everything nowadays. Right? Yeah, Mercedes uses uh, some and some other manufacturers. How are they um, uh, different as far as uh, uh, performance, and what are some of the drawbacks uh, of them? Well, you know, there, there are some advantages, uh, which is why the vehicle manufacturers are, are using them. Certainly it eliminates the need for a spare tire because you have, in the event of a puncture uh, that would normally, you know, render you to the side of the road with a conventional tire having to put on the spare or call AAA, you know, with a run-flat tire, you can drive at least some distance with no air in the tire. Um, and still get to where you're going. The tire won't, you know, won't uh, fall apart. Um, and, you know, I talked earlier about the air, you know, carrying the load of the vehicle. Well, a run-flat tire actually has a, a backup system built into it, uh, which is a reinforced sidewall construction that can actually carry the weight of the vehicle, even if there's no air in the tire. And most of those tires will run typically 50 miles at up to 50 miles an hour, um, to get you to service. Now, if they sacrifice themselves in the process, but when it's, you know, 2.30 in the morning and you're driving through Chicago home from O'Hare Airport and you get a flat tire, you can drive to a service station or you can drive to the hotel for the night or you can drive home if you're close by rather than having to stop on the side of the Dan Ryan Expressway and, and fix a flat tire. Right. Uh, can can you uh, use a um, uh, one of those... Um, inflator kits to uh, keep a run flat going. Well, I mean, it's you know, the inflator kit with some kind of a sealant can provide a temporary, uh, you know, stop gap to, to plug the, the the hole in the dike, as it were. Um, but even in a conventional tire, that's a short term solution. It also really will, uh, you know, by the time you get to recognizing that you need to use the uh, the inflator kit, you've begun to use the the run flat. You know, the, the 
drive while flat capability of a run flat, and uh, it's already beginning to sacrifice itself. And when I say that, I mean the, the, the load and stress that's being put on the, the internal structure of the sidewall when there's insufficient air to carry the weight of the vehicle, it slowly begins to break down the internal structure. That's why there is a limit on how far and how fast you can go. With a conventional tire and no air in it, if you drove it, it wouldn't take very long before you have, you know, you've, you've worn a hole literally through the sidewall of the tire because of the excessive flexing and the separation between the rubber and the non-rubber components in the sidewall of the tire and all the heat that's being built up when you drive on it with, with insufficient air. Um, that happens at a slower rate in the run flat, but the clock starts as soon as you're driving on it at near or no inflation pressure. So you might be able to extend your, your, your range to, to service, so to speak, with an inflator kit and a run flat if you catch it soon enough. Um, but there are some limits to that as well. John, I, I uh, see from a lot of BMW owners um, either switching to conventional tires from run flats or talking about it. What advice do you have for them? Well, I guess the first part of the advice is make sure that you're going to cover yourself in in the case of a flat uh, certainly, you know, there are many BMW owners uh, who have been disappointed with early generation run flat tires and may or may not have experienced the latest generations of the original equipment tires. Uh, we happen to use BMW 3 Series vehicles as our primary test vehicles. And over the years, as we've gone from one model to the next, we found that BMW has been able to continue to improve the ride quality uh, and handling uh, and still maintain the run-flat extended mobility. Uh, the other thing is that um, there are new generations even of uh, run-flat replacement tires that have proven to still meet the promise of 50 miles at 50 miles an hour, but have changed their designs to add more cooling that helps them achieve the run-flat promise without having to have the thick materials that the early run-flat tires did. So we're seeing that there's run-flat tires today that are uh, noticeably better riding than uh, previous ones. And the last thing is for for the owner who's going to a uh, non-run flat tire, uh, you know, many times they are praised for the improvements in ride quality, obviously the greater selection and lower cost. So there's a number of incentives for that driver. Um, but they are abandoning the run flat capability. And in many cases, a wise investment would be a uh, inflator kit so that if they happen to have a puncture while on the road, they have uh, something to help get them home rather than being stranded. Right. Uh, uh, my understanding is that uh, BMW doesn't even provide space for uh, spare tires anymore. I mean, that's just it. I mean, uh, Bridgestone did a, uh, a study a number of years ago, and they estimated at that time that 85% of spare tires go to the junkyard <laughs> with the rest of the vehicle without ever having been out of the trunk. And when you think about the fact that that spare tire represents 20% of the you know cost of wheels and tires plus the tools, mm-hmm. and the fact that you're carrying 45 pounds of weight around with the car for uh, 150,000 miles before the vehicle is, is scrapped, well, there's an investment not only in the raw materials and the labor, but in the fuel costs, and, you know, fortunately we don't tend to get flat tires as much as we did years ago. The tires are, have better durability uh, and offer better service. So you, you add some of these uh, considerations up, and it's getting easier to see why some of the vehicle manufacturers have adopted run-flat tires, and in other cases, some of the vehicle manufacturers with standard tires have abandoned the spare. 
Um, it just is, you know, it, it's a lot of weight that gets carried along if, mm-hmm. if only a small percentage of the drivers are ever going to need it. Some uh, GM vehicles, I know, come only with inflator kits, or you have to buy, uh, pay extra to get a spare, a temporary spare. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on, uh, on your uh, uh, constitution as to whether or not you feel you want to do extended highway trips without a spare. You know, at least having some type of backup or, or some type of uh, roadside service provider certainly is a plus. Can you uh, use the same wheels for run flats as you do for conventional tires? In most cases, yes. There, there early on were a few wheels that had slightly different uh, profiles that were just the, the way the tire sits against the wheel to give it a snugger fit. But for the most part, the wheel is not a concern when you're deciding whether or not you want to use run-flat tires or standard tires. Okay. Uh, you're talking about eliminating weight by removing the spare tire and the jack and things like that. And uh, there's going to be increasing focus on weight reduction in cars in the future. And when we come back from uh, our last break here, I'd like to talk about the future of uh, tire sizes and performance capabilities. Please stay with us where we continue our discussion with John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone, to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. My guests are John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack. John is the Director of Tire Information Services at the Tire Rack, and Woody Rogers is a Tire Information Specialist. And if you have a question about tires, call us at 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. These are two guys who have the answers. Again, that that is eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. You know, uh, it's commonplace uh, today for even compact cars to have seventeen and eighteen inch diameter tires, and you see on midsize cars eighteen, nineteen, twenty inch diameter. But going forward. Uh, auto manufacturers are going to have to uh, really step up their fuel economy. And I would think that larger tires, uh, larger diameter tires, add weight, and they're going to be taking weight out of their vehicles. Do you foresee a time in the future where uh, the tire sizes or uh, diameters will start shrinking? Well, I think we're going to find that diameters are, if anything, going to continue to increase in the tire diameter but one thing that's going to change is we're going to be finding the tall and skinny tire coming in in the future uh, where rather than having the very wide tires that you often see on vehicles today, they'll be much narrower, even narrower than the 205-5017 that you, that you talked about earlier, Rick. And part of this is a tall tire uh, does two things. It offers a uh, lower rolling resistance for the tire because it doesn't deflect as much as the uh, tire comes in contact with the road, as well as it's going to continue to allow more packaging of the automotive's uh, vehicle's equipment within the wheel. I mean, we've got things where uh, the brakes and suspension uh, may be more inside of the wheel and less connected to the to the frame. It will give the vehicle manufacturer more room to work with uh, within the track or the width of the vehicle. And even in the future, you know, they are they are looking at uh, wheel driven. Uh, electric motors where your vehicle might come with two or four electric motors within the wheel uh, cavity and that will be your power source and all of a sudden the space that was once allocated to the engine and its drive line may become space that they can use to make the 
uh, packaging, the the seating capacity, uh, even more efficient than it is today. Or they could put a spare tire in there. <laughs> uh, Woody, uh, winter is coming, and uh, you know that generally means snow around here. Although it's hard to predict anymore. Uh, what do you tell uh, uh, people about winter tires? What what advice? I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, it, it's a favorite subject of mine. Uh, having just come back from testing some tires at the local ice rink, <laughs> you know, you know, if if you want the the best traction for when winter is at its worst, a dedicated winter tire from the studless ice and snow category is absolutely the best way to go. And if you have not driven in bad winter weather on a modern winter tire, you're in for an amazing surprise. Hmm. Uh, once, you know, once you try it uh, as a driver, it's hard pressed to go back to any alternative. Um, there, there are some all season tires that are, that are pretty good in the snow, but even the very best you know, much like the summer to all season scenario for wet traction, when it comes to snow and especially on the ice, you know, a, a very average you know, modern winter tire is much better than the best all season tire. All, all season tires uh, basically are a compromise in every area. Well, they they you know they have to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, and it really fits the 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 analogy in my mind of the jack of all trades. But they they really can't be the master of any of them. Uh, and still be competent at all of them. Hmm. You know, winter tires are specialists. They're meant for one season. They're meant to do one thing first and foremost and provide, you know, good levels of traction in some very challenging conditions. Uh, a dedicated summer tire, especially a performance-focused summer tire, only has to deal with dry and wet weather as a counterpoint, and it's very good at dealing with that. Now, you drive it in the snow, and it's horrible. You can't, you know, get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. You could walk faster <laughs> by far than, uh, you know, a, a tire struggling. To, you, know, you get stuck on packed snow with a summer tire. You know, it just won't move uh, in many cases. Um, so I guess they're kind of safe because you can't get going and get yourself into trouble. But um, they, they really just aren't meant to work in the snow. And ca- the counterpoint is, you know, on a warm 85-degree day, a dedicated winter tire wears very quickly and the handling is a bit vague and the traction level is actually kind of low because it's outside its design spectrum. I talked about that, that glass transition point or even just the hardening of a performance summer tire's rubber compound, tread compound, when the temperature really gets to or below freezing. Well, that's when the rubber compound in a dedicated winter tire is really designed for, zero to, to freezing. It's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's flexible, pliable, which is how it conforms to the, the, the texture of the road and provides some traction. Plus, the compound is very specialized, which also helps uh, create some of the traction magic that those tires have. So, so if I'm wear, uh, running on winter tires and it's uh, it doesn't snow and it's 45 degrees, mm-hmm. what do I get? Well, you, I mean, they're fine. They're they're you know, mm-hmm. that's built into the, the the reality of driving in North America, even in the upper tier states where there is a lot of snow and a lot of cold. There are plenty of days when it's cold and the roads are clear. I mean, we we love to use road salt and plow, even in these these tight budgetary times. The roads are kept pretty clear. Let's mm-hmm. face it. So much of the time in the winter months, you're driving on what I call clear roads. They're dry, maybe wet, maybe a little bit of slush, but nothing dramatic to handle. Um, and the tires are meant to cope with that. Uh, you know, the beauty of having a set of winter tires uh, as a counterpoint to the, the tires you use the other three seasons of the, of the year, your three-season tires, be them summer or all-season tires, are resting. They're not getting any miles put on them. Uh, and you're driving, you know, five, six, eight thousand miles during the winter on your winter tires. Now, then they get to rest some miles during the summer months mm. when you drive on your summer tires. And we tend to drive more in the summer months than we do in the winter months, just out of the, 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 the typical ebb and flow of our driving cycle. So, you know, in, in the typical lifetime of a vehicle ownership, you'll hone, you know, a couple of sets of tires. And by having, you know, something focused for summertime for summer and focused for winter for winter, it's still your couple of sets of tires for the vehicle. But now you're getting the best of all worlds without having the compromise that's kind of just okay at everything with an, all, an all-season tire. And your primary tires should last a little longer. Well, they'll, they'll last more calendar months, more years mm-hmm. of, of service. You know, they're still only going to last X number of miles. But if you drive them all in a row or you drive them, you know, you know, four, five months on and seven months off, however the cycle's going, you know, the, the calendar years will stretch out. And that covers that, that couple of sets over the, the typical ownership lifetime of a vehicle. John, um, beyond uh, mileage and tread depth, do um, tires have a lifespan? 
is uh, does the rubber deteriorate over time where you should replace them? Well, it's certainly something that's being looked at by both the industry as well as the uh, government at this point. Because certainly over a period of time, uh, rubber will deteriorate. One of the things that uh, in the normal automotive life cycle that's probably the most challenging are vehicles that are only driven on a limited basis, like a motorhome or a travel coach or maybe even uh, the trailer to haul your uh, toys uh, to your places of recreation. Um, Direct sun, high temperatures, uh, low inflation pressures, all of these things allow or create more heat, which is certainly one of the tire's enemies. And so, uh, you know, you and I could have the exact same cars, but you park your car in the garage, I leave mine out in the driveway. It's exposed to the sunlight and heat and snow all year round. Uh, at work, you park in a parking deck, and I park in the lot. Um, you keep your tires properly inflated and aligned, and I haven't maintained my car in five years. All of these things that create extra work will create extra wear and extra aging. Um, right now, there's not a full consensus in the industry. Uh, the uh, certainly before a tire goes into service, when it's properly stored in a warehouse, it ages very slowly. But once it's been installed on a vehicle and starts through its driving cycles and is exposed to the element, uh, it's where an aging begin. The industry is, if, I, if there's a common denominator today, it's to make sure that you are inspecting your tires after four or five years of service on an annual basis. And the end of life right now it, it recommendation uh, is to replace tires after 10 years uh, uh, from the date of manufacture uh, as a precaution whether or not there's tread left remaining or not. And there are a lot of vehicles that are older than uh, uh, 10 years on the road. I think the average age is 11 years. So. Yeah, I think we're 11 and 11 and a half, something yeah. like that now. Go but for, for most people, that's on their second or third set of tires. Most we, tires work we hope. well before they age out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, uh, John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack, for sharing so much valuable information on tires today. Appreciate you uh, both taking the time to be with us. Thanks for the opportunity, Rick. Rick. Okay. Thank you. So long, guys. That is about all the time we're going to have for uh, this week's uh, edition of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. Join us next week when the Lone Arranger rides again. Two weeks ago, we explored the common practice among car dealers of marking up interest rates on loans they arrange for new and used vehicles. Next week, we will dive deeper into car loans. Credit counselors and personal finance experts will discuss the perils of seven- and eight-year auto loans, and high interest rates, and recommend how much you can afford to spend on a car so you don't run into financial trouble. That's next week when the Loan Arranger rides again. Until then, please visit my website, carstrucksandbucks.com, for more information about next week's show, news updates, and vehicle reviews. Thanks again to today's guests, John Rastetter and Woody Rogers of the Tire Rack. And thanks to you for listening. Please drive safely. So long, everyone.